welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Thanks for joining this podcast, which is sponsored by Nasuni. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm excited to be here as always. You know, I'm on the hunt for new insights, products, strategies that'll help companies reimagine how technology can improve work. We've actually recently renamed the podcast uh, Reimagine Technology at Work because we think it's uh, such a big topic for organizations. And I'm excited to be joined by David Grant, the president of Nasuni. And while I've introduced him as David Grant, um, he goes by Dave. So we're going to talk to Dave. Um, about uh, what he's doing at Nasuni, but let me give you a little bit of context on who he is. He's responsible for all field operations, which includes sales, marketing alliances, professional services, uh, customer success and experience. He's a veteran marketer with uh, over 20 years of experience in senior leadership roles from companies that are startups to multi-billion dollar operations that you've known and heard before. Uh, he joined Nasuni from Veeam Software, where he was a senior vice president of global marketing. Prior to Veeam, he served as vice president of marketing at VMware, which clearly he's got a long history in the space of how different technologies can reimagine work. And I'm excited about that. So I mentioned that you're the president of Nasuni, Dave, and you know, not everybody might be familiar with the company. So perhaps we could just start the podcast with a brief description of what Nasuni does and, and maybe tell us what attracted you to the position. Excellent. Well, nice to speak with you again. It's been a few years, but I'm happy to be back uh, speaking with you. Yes, uh, Nasuni is a software company, a software as a service company, obviously, uh, serving B2B clients. We are disrupting the file data storage market, essentially uh, the unstructured data market, which we all know. Uh, regardless of the stat you look at, is is growing exponentially, 80 plus percent year on year, if not more, uh, growing much quicker than any other data output, whether that be block, database, or you know, structured data. And we're disrupting what is traditionally been stored in silos across on-premises hardware. Um, we're disrupting it with a cloud-native approach, very similar to how every other infrastructure market has been disrupted, whether it's Cloudflare disrupting Cisco's networking business or um, Snowflake um, disrupting Oracle's data warehousing business. We're disrupting NetApp and Dell's um, legacy hardware-based storage business on the NAS network attached storage and file server market. You know, we reimagined the architecture that was needed for today's working world. Uh, remote work, uh, machine-generated data, people working different uh, time zones all over the world, um, geolocation spread out, collaboration. There's a lot of different dynamics in the way we use data today, whether it be human generated or machine generated, that required a different architecture. And we developed a cloud native architecture. We are 100, just past over $100 million of annual recurring revenue, and we're 500 employees based here in Boston. But what attracted me to, to Nasuni, I think, is really threefold. 
first and foremost, it's always the team. We have a great team uh, based all around the world of experts that have come from storage and end user computing, uh, but also the market opportunity. This is a massive market. Uh, today, there's about $40 billion spent on network attached storage and file data storage, as well as data protection and backup. And disrupting that market looked like a really uh, ripe opportunity. And the technology uh, that I saw here was uh, was second to none. It was the only uh, cloud native file system that had been built. Um, and uh, so it's been it's been fun for the past three years. So you mentioned a few things here. I want to dig in a little bit. I was on the website and the subtitle of your website said, uh, powered by the world's only global file system, Nasuni combines the performance of local NAS and the scalability of the cloud. And you've mentioned cloud several times now. So one of the things I find interesting is there are a lot of different ways to think about this. And when I'm talking to companies, there's a lot of different ways they're approaching it. But doesn't everyone already think they have cloud file storage with their existing hyperscalers? I mean, isn't that what I'm supposed to be getting from AWS and Microsoft and Google Cloud? So I, if I have that question, I'm probably not the only one that has that question. So where does Nasuni fit in that landscape? Because I'm sure that everybody's hearing that they have, already have this or have access to it. Very good question. And uh, the world's only, sorry for the cheesy statement, of course. It, we do believe we do have the only um, global file system that was built for object storage and cloud. We haven't found one yet. Um, I'm sure there's other people working on it. It's a big problem to solve, so it will happen. Um, you actually hit on two really important topics I think the audience would find interesting. One is you said the only with um, the performance of local NAS and the scalability of cloud. That's what really makes Nasuni unique. Um, different from the cloud providers and the cloud hyperscalers, which we'll talk about in a second. But the idea that the challenge of unstructured data and file data in general, uh, moving to the cloud so far has been performance. If you put your file data, and you know this space very well, Maribel, from your coverage of VDI and virtual desktops, like I spent five years doing, over five years doing, if you put your storage far away from the users, just the speed of light, you have performance problems. If you put your data, petabytes or terabytes of data in an Azure region that's you know on the other side of the country or the other side of the world, you're gonna have poor performance. So what we built was intelligent edge caching. So we have edge caching, we, we, we marry the two, we marry edge caching close to the end user or the machine that's using the data with object storage centrally somewhere um, in, in a cloud provider. And that's what makes us unique. The, the cloud providers don't have that capability. Now you asked, What's the relationship there? We have a great relationship with Microsoft, AWS, and Google. So we do sit on top of their object storage, just to make that clear. So it is a, a one plus one. Um, think of us the layer on top, the software layer that does the orchestration, a lot of the data management of all this of all this data. Uh, but we still, the benefit of what we do is we uh, leverage the uh, capabilities of object storage, the scale, the cost savings, the protection, the immutability of object storage. And that's really what makes us different. Um, but yes, uh, a lot of the uh, cloud providers, either what will happen is people will, most of their file, most of their storage, as you know, is block and structured storage, right? Databases and other things. It's not unstructured data because of the problems I just suggested. Uh, but they do have um, some offerings, right? They, they've OEM'd NetApp in some cases. So AWS has an OEM relationship with NetApp. So does Microsoft, a product called Azure NetApp Files. You know, they also have some of their homegrown offerings. You know, Microsoft has Azure Files. Um, but all these technologies, either the OEM from NetApp or their, their own offerings, um, 
actually are still leveraging the older style of technology. Technology has been around for 20 years. Disk-based storage, still very expensive, still doesn't scale very well, and still doesn't have that caching that I mentioned. So our relationship with Microsoft is fantastic. They call us the uh, enterprise version of Azure Files. People probably think they can do this at AWS um, and Azure, and, but in most cases, they can't do it for, for at enterprise scale. We're really focused on larger companies, you know, mid-market and above. If you're a smaller SMB customer, SharePoint, Azure Files, Dropbox, Box, that probably works. Uh, but when you're talking about global scale and protection, and you really need a, what's behind a file system to do that. Okay, so then maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about the difference between cloud file storage and file services. Yes, it sounds like a nuance, right? Cloud file storage versus cloud file services, but uh, cloud Isn't file everything storage, in tech a bit of a nuance when you think yeah, about I it? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, so NetApp and Dell and others that have been around in this space for a long time building network attached storage or Windows file servers, they've moved those architectures to the cloud. So it does look like a cloud offering. It has a front a front end on it that you know you can manage, um, but we all know the limitations of, of that um, from other technologies. You can't just lift and shift. Um, that's it. Just doesn't get the same scale benefits, the cost, the protection. Uh, so that's the real difference. The difference is a services based model is truly that. It's a, as I said, an orchestration layer that sits on top of object storage that lets you deliver data anywhere in the world to anyone. Um, but more importantly, it's leveraging object storage, and you get all these great benefits. It's way cheaper sometimes up to 50 to 70% cheaper than the old ways, just based on the economics of object storage. It has unbelievable protection built in. Um, the immutability and the ability for us to do unlimited versioning provides a, a data protection layer that, that can't be found otherwise. And you know, scale, as I mentioned earlier. So that's the real difference. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've already kind of um, answered my next question, which was about some of the difference between traditional NAS and, and storage vendors. So um, maybe we can talk a little bit about what you call the unified global file system. And that's what's supposed to be used to enable you to provision data to clouds globally. And you talked a little bit about your relationship with the big hyperscalers. There's a lot of discussion right now about multi-cloud and private cloud. And can I still move in all those different architectural directions? Like, does this help or hinder that? You, you can. And uh, it's a good point you're making about multi-cloud. We all know um, that's a hot topic, although I would, I would argue that it's talked about a lot, but not necessarily leveraged a lot. I think people like yeah. the idea of it. But in practice, uh, it's not the easiest right. thing to do at times. And, you know, deep relationships with vendors, sometimes it, they, they may not be using multi-cloud. But um, to answer your question, yes, uh, one of the benefits of this software-defined layer that we deliver, that I mentioned, a services layer versus something that's physically lifted into the cloud, is that that layer can be applied across any of the three major cloud providers. So therefore, if for some reason, whether it be relationship reasons, um, workload reasons, you wanted to move clouds, uh, it's actually relatively easy to do that. Now, you still have to migrate data, which people don't love to do all the time, but frequently, uh, but definitely it can be done. Uh, we do also support private object storage. So uh, people that want to do pro, uh, private object storage, whether that be you know from, from IBM or from Hitachi or others, uh, we can support that. It's the same object storage benefits that we get from the public cloud. Um, object storage. So we have a great relationship with the three hyperscalers. It's a, it's a win-win for their sales team and they're for their customers because they get credit for the stores that we're driving to them as well. So we both win 
uh, when a customer decides to move in the direction of cloud file services versus uh, you know, on-premises on storage. Does it have any impact in terms of how I think about the use of file data for AI, ML, and analytics? I mean, that's a big topic for organizations right now. Yes, for sure. So if you think about what I mentioned at the top of the conversation, one of the challenges with today's world of NAS and file data storage is it's in silos. So if I'm a company that has even five locations, 10, 20, 100, you, put a, you usually drop a server in those offices, in those buildings, in those trucks that are out here doing construction, believe it or not, trailers, right? Because again, you need the performance of that high performance on location or at least close to the location. Well, guess what? That's really hard to pull together for data lake. One of the values of moving to the, the cloud model is that you consolidate every one of those silos into one object store. And then you can start running analytics against it. Now we have home built data file data analytics, but things like search and you know discovery, we can do all of that. But you can also leverage then the tools that Azure, AWS, and Google have as well against that. So it definitely is one of the key value propositions is consolidation of all these disparate silos of data into one. So I can now have a data lake essentially of unstructured data, which in the past has been next to impossible to do. Thanks, because I think I have a better sense of that right now. Um, I was just thinking of something else, though, and I know that I had spent some time when we were uh, talking about what your portfolio was. Um, everybody's talking to me about ransomware now and an increase in ransomware oh. and zero-day abilities, uh, supply chain attacks. Um, you know, these are some of the, when we did the Lopez Research Survey, some of the top three cyber threats for 23. Uh, we actually, um, you know, I spent a lot of time reviewing other reports. I was just looking at the Verizon 2022 data breach investigations report, which I love this report. Um, comes out every year, obviously. Um, and that shared that there's been a 13% increase in ransomware attacks in one year. And I know that we're talking about how you're dealing with files every day. Um, what's your advice to customers on how to mitigate some of these security risks? Whether it's with Nasuni or not Nasuni, please don't rely on just backup. Don't get caught in the ransomware marketing machine um, that has gone on for the last 24 months. It's been mind-blowing. Uh, every vendor on the planet thinks they're a solution. They are the answer. Um, what I will say is for file data, for unstructured data, if you think about it just commonsensical, it, you can't use the traditional recovery method because you might have petabytes or hundreds of terabytes of data. It'll take you days, weeks, months to copy data back. That copy model doesn't work. Um, and unfortunately, that's what most people are doing. First thing I did actually before I uh, joined the SUNY was I joined one of the user groups as a, as a visitor. What I loved about it was everyone, when they asked, what's the number one thing you love about Nasuni? The number one reason was I no longer have to do backups of my file data. And coming from a backup provider previous to this company, that was refreshing to me because it was one of the value props that we, the propositions that we had. And so what I would say is do not rely just on backup, especially for this workload. I'm not saying the backup vendors and data person vendors have a very important part to play in applications and databases and other things. They absolutely do. But for NAS and unstructured data, it's not going to be possible. You, you're, we have seen customers that have said, I was hit. It took me a month to get my data back online to copy it back from my sources. With us, it's literally seconds because it's just metadata. It's unlimited versioning in the cloud, you can roll back to seconds. If something happened to me right now with ransomware, I can go to my IT and they can roll back my instance to one minute before and I'm, I'm good. Uh, so that's the advice I'd give. We see it way too often when it comes to unstructured data 
is that people rely too heavily on just, I back up the data so I'm safe. Yeah, time, time is actually a real big issue in this because depending on the type of industry you are, you don't have a lot of time. And you know, no, nobody would ever say, oh, I've got plenty of time for that. But in, in certain cases, you know, hours, you know, minutes matter. And certainly nobody has the time to be out for a month. <laughs> it's just yeah. business crippling. Okay, so we talked a little bit about um, ransomware. So I think in 23, many companies that we've spoken with are looking for ways to balance their investments since budgets aren't increasing and in some cases, even if they're not shrinking, people are moving things around a lot. So what is your advice for companies now as they look at balancing investments, potential budget constraints? Uh, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, again, I'd say the same thing I said about ransomware. Don't just hate this if it's Nasuni or not. But definitely for this workload, investigate cloud. You're probably overspending in this area pretty dramatically. We do something called an estimated business impact assessment, an EBI for every one of our new customers that come on board or want to come on board. And we, we see savings of 50 to 70%. And that's because today you're, you're literally building silos with hardware, software, backup, WAN acceleration, you, know, you name it. There's a stack of wires in every location and you're managing that. So... This is an area, I know we've seen other areas maybe where the cloud costs get out of control and it's not necessarily cheaper. Um, there's other reasons why you would, would move to the cloud, but in this case, um, cost savings is, is dramatic. Object storage economics are dramatic when it comes to unstructured data, and I would advise everybody to go look at that shift, regardless of what vendor you choose to go with. You know, there was something I forgot to ask you about, and... I was thinking about it in ransomware and then I was thinking about it from remote work, but I, I failed to ask the question about remote workers and how do we think about security and remote workers and, you know, easy ways to access files, things of that nature. Funny, you know, it's, uh, I came here after spending seven, eight years in end user computing. Um, right. We, it's all yeah. we talked about, right? Was how somebody is far away and access to something in an easy way, right? One of the benefits I had in my, you know, my spreadsheet of why I come to the SUNY was I can get out of it, uh, try something different, and I end up being right back in it. <laughs> of course, you can't forget the data that we all use every day, right? You could fancy right. it all you want with a good UI or VDI or something else, but if you don't have good performance of the data and you're not protecting your data, what's, what's the point? Um, so yes, absolutely, we've seen that shift like everybody else has. Uh, and again, by, by, by organizing it in the cloud, you get away from clunky VPNs, you get away from that distance issue. Uh, so I would recommend once again that uh, regardless of vendor, have a look at the cloud for this workload. You're probably right now, you, you probably have invested in some other end user technology to make remote work, hybrid work better. And you probably forgot about your NAS server or your file server it would be my guess. Um, most point. people do. They either hairpin it back to where it is and it gets a poor performance. They try and move it, lift and shift it to a cloud region or to a managed service provider, or they or they end up going rogue and using shadow IT and using Box or Dropbox or something else that again doesn't have the security, the compliance, the you know the costs are outrageous. So um, again, just definitely there's a tie here to your point. Okay, we're coming to the end of the podcast here, and I want you to put your analyst hat on for a moment. Uh, within the next 12 months, what do you expect will change in your market? And what innovations are you looking forward to? 
I'm not smart enough to be an analyst, but that's okay. I'll let you do, I'll let you do that. Let me give you two that I think will happen. Oh, uh, you give us too much credit. <laughs> in the unstructured data space, I'll give you two that I, I think are going to happen. One is just like everybody, but because there is something unique here, ransomware um, advancements, and it's going to be around mitigation, proactive, call it AI ops, call it what you want to call it, but being able to mitigate on in real time at the edge that's what we see is something that could be game changer when it comes to ransomware. Not being reactive, but being on the edge and being able to be, be proactive. That's definitely something. Uh, the second is just in general, I think we can all be better in AI operations, meaning that the systems can get smarter, leverage some of the things you mentioned to be more proactive. I think some of the other infrastructure vendors out there outside of file storage has done a great, have done a great job on getting ahead of usage of data, you know, cost overages, uh, performance, and, and and leveraging AI ops to do better there is, is definitely an area that I think we're going to see a lot of this year. Awesome. All right, so now for the closing question. Is there a book, a podcast, a place, an activity that you would recommend to the audience and why? Ah, look at that. I, I was thinking about uh, getting it up on my phone for you. So, yes, I love the Grit podcast. Uh, it's by mm. Kleiner Perkins. It's my client Perkins. They do a fabulous job. I love Saster, of course, uh, for SaaS information, and uh, uh, the Build podcast by OpenView Partners. They're my top three. I have a forty-five to an hour commute uh, when I do come into the office, so I get I get to listen to those three, and of course yours, Marilyn. Uh, yours yeah. as well. Thank you for spending the time sharing what you do and for sharing the podcast recommendations because we could always use more podcasts to listen to. And if people want to find you, where where can they follow you? I'm uh, D Grant for on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm happy to uh, to engage with anybody that would like to to engage on those platforms. Great. I'll put links to the podcast you mentioned and to Nasuni in the show notes. And uh, thanks for your time and attention. And thanks everybody for listening. And we look forward to seeing and hearing what you do next. Bye, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology. Thank you.